It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to the Thursday, June 25th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com, co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast, and managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com. We got a few irons in the fire, and we got a few irons in the fire to get into here on the show as well. Some interesting developments as it pertains to uh, the preseason, the NFL 2020 season, do we need to hit the panic button or not? What are the long-term implications of some of the standards and cha- that are being shaken up right now with everything that's going on in the world? And it starts with the Hall of Fame game. This was a big bit of news that came through, and it raised a lot of eyebrows. So let's dig right in to what just happened to the 2020 Hall of Fame game. The Miami Dolphins were not scheduled to play in the 2020 Hall of Fame game. That was supposed to feature the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the news coming out yesterday is the ongoing coronavirus pandemic has its first NFL casualty on the calendar. There will be no Hall of Fame game played this year, and instead Dallas and Pittsburgh will play next year. On the surface, it appears as though it may be a first troubling domino for the NFL's 2020 season, but in reality, this was an excess preseason game, a fifth game for both Dallas and Pittsburgh, a nice luxury game. But in today's trying times, luxuries are hard to justify, and hence there will be no Hall of Fame game, although the NFL is certainly not out of the woods as it pertains to their 2020 season. One thing that we do know as the NFL continues to attempt to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic is that teams will be returning to training camp on July 28th. Part of the cancellation of the Hall of Fame game is probably to make it easier to create a uniform return date for all NFL teams on July 28th. That agreement, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, was made yesterday between the NFL and the NFL's Players Association. The two parties are, quote, still negotiating what camp will look like and how the protocols will be handled. As you see other sports leagues coming back, uh, the PGA Tour even, as a non-contact sport, you're continuing to see a slow trickling of positive tests for coronavirus. And these leagues are ultimately going to have to make a decision on what they're comfortable with and what their players and the Players Association is comfortable with. And everyone has an opinion. But one thing that we do know for sure is that the NFL is going to try everything within their power, and they have more resources at their disposal than any other league, and they have had more of a runway to prepare for a potential season whilst trimming the excess fat around 
mini camps, and excess preseason games as humanly possible. The NFL has had as much preparation and has more resources than anybody. So if there is a league that's going to get protocols down to ensure that if a player does test positive, they can undergo the necessary quarantine of two weeks without exposing the team to greater risk. Will that actually materialize? Will we see the NFL implement a prototype mask, uh, which is something that has been reportedly uh, explored as far as an attachment to go on the face mask of these helmets? There's a lot of unknown, but the league continues to angle as though they are going to play football this fall, even going so far as to decree to the teams uh, that they need to keep the first six to eight rows of their stadiums open to allow for advertising that is visible on broadcasts. The thought process here being the NFL is going to lose some revenue from ticket sales. It's inevitable because uh, whether there's restrictions on the stadiums or not, the public health concerns would impact attendance even if the teams were not stating we're only going to admit 15,000 people into the stands. So the NFL hopes to combat that revenue loss with signage and advertising space that is visible within the first few rows of the stands. Of course, a a subplot here that will be interesting to monitor once hopefully a vaccine is established for coronavirus is to look at what changes are being made to protocols and policies now across professional sports and specifically the NFL that will be maintained after the the immediate threat of COVID-19 comes and goes? Will we continue to see after a vaccine is established and we can return to quote-unquote life as normal? Will we continue to see that signage in real estate, that prime real estate right up against the field, be restricted from fans? Will there be more space accommodating advertising long-term? Will we see more virtual off-seasons and more teams operating with their coaches and general managers and scouts from home in the off-season in the build-up to the draft as we saw this year? This pandemic is a lot of things for a lot of people, and it's hardship for people first and foremost, but as it pertains to professional sports, it may ultimately end up being a catalyst of change long after the threat of the virus has come and gone. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been selling auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So whether it's your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. If we were to switch gears now and talk specifically about the Dolphins. I'm a little upset. The Athletic. Rhiannon Walker. You've broken my heart. Rhiannon was charged for the Athletic with ranking each of the NFL's mascots uh, and the Dolphins and TD checked in 25th on her list. Here's the silver lining. The Dolphins may have 24 teams in the NFL that have a mascot, according to Rihanna, that is better than TD. But only one of those resides in the AFC East because the Patriots mascot was ranked worse <laughs> than TD, and the Jets don't have a mascot except for Fireman Ed, who was such a good mascot that he quit on his team after the butt fumble and retired for three years. Some kind of diehard, right? So, do I agree? No. Do I think TD's one of the best mascots in the NFL? Yes, of course I do. It's the homer in me. Don't expect me to change my mind. Some more compelling Dolphins content that slipped through the cracks uh, stumbled upon this one, and, and it took me on a nice trip down memory lane. This came from uh, Pat Thorman, who shared uh, the tempo tendencies for the NFL teams over the course of the last five years in neutral situations. So this is how much time is left on the play clock when you snap the football when you're not in two-minute drill, right? Just like your average drive. Zero, zero, first and 10, you just got a first down. Do you get up and go quick, or do you take your good old sweet time? So Pat Thorman uh, shared the numbers. I actually have the last six years' worth of numbers going back to 2014. And uh, if you have any trouble finding the Adam Gase years on this chart, and we'll talk more about Adam here in a hot sec, uh, the Dolphins were... The second slowest team, two out of Gase's three years, and their quote-unquote fast year, they were the 29th fastest team. So routinely, one of the slowest offenses in football. Now, just because you play fast doesn't guarantee you're going to have success, right? You look at some of the teams that ranked really well. Dallas was 8-8. Eight eight. They had a great offense. Dak threw for almost 5,000 yards. Carolina was one of the fastest teams in football. They did not have a successful year. But the Patriots were the fastest team in football for the second consecutive season. Uh, The L.A. Rams have been in the top three, three consecutive years under Sean McVay. Uh, The Colts experienced a big drop-off. Obviously, they had Andrew Luck in 2018. They were the second fastest offense in football. They regressed back to 25th with the quarterback changes that they had. Kansas City has been a top-six speed tempo team for each of the last two seasons. So... It's not like hard and fast that if you play fast, you're going to be good on offense. But if you think back, (laughs) you remember when this team hired Joe Philbin? 
Joe Philbin had like the dueling units on the practice field and everybody lost their shit about it for a little bit. They were like, oh my God, they're practicing so fast. They're getting so many reps. And then lo and behold, they end up starting a rookie quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. And within the first two years with Mike Sherman and the go, go, go nonsense for runs and passes, look that one up because I'm not ready to talk about that on the show just yet. Um, if you're not familiar with it. They bring in Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator in 2014 with Joe Philbin to try and speed up the offense. Bill Lazor coming off the uh, the Chip Kelly tree in Philadelphia. And, and when Chip Kelly was the head coach in Philadelphia, they were the fastest offense in football bar none. So Bill Lazor comes in, and Miami, they at least get it to the middle of the pack. right? They were like 17th and 16th as far as tempo in 2014-2015. Uh, obviously, Philbin fired midway through the 15 season. Gase comes in in 16, and they are slow as molasses in January. This offense is is so bogged down. And the the common denominator between both hires of Gase and Philbin is the Dolphins were chasing a sexy, high flying passing attack. And wouldn't you know? When they stop chasing it, what they were looking for all along ends up falling into their lap. Because while Gase and Philbin were propped up by the likes of Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning, Brian Flores, uh, he actually gets game management. And I think about that across a lot of different fronts for how the Dolphins handle game situations under Flores And you think about the challenges and going forward on fourth down and the aggressiveness and tempo. They were the 13th fastest offense in football last year. Up from 31st, a huge jump. Now, some of that, Chad O'Shea coming over from New England, a team that that was the fastest. They've been no lower than sixth in each of the last six seasons. New, New England is routinely pedal to the metal. They've only been outside the top three once in the last six years as far as tempo. Chad O'Shea comes, and despite the fact that this team had so many young players, a lot of players that didn't know the playbook because Chad O'Shea didn't teach them all that well, and so many new pieces in general, forget about their age and experience, this team still played that fast. So now I can hear your question. Okay, what does the departure of Chad O'Shea who came off of this branch, this Josh McDaniels branch that plays super fast, how does that impact Miami? Well, here's what I would say. Chain Gailey, the college game, no huddle and speed and tempo is even more popular there than it is at the pro level. Chain Gailey running college spread. Uh, his offenses, the last with the data that I had available, Chan Gailey ran about the same tempo in New York with the Jets in 2015 as the Dolphins did this past year. Uh, the, his second year as the offensive coordinator, they regressed, but a third of their season they were starting Bryce Petty and Geno Smith at quarterback. And those guys, uh, if you remember that 2015 Jets, believe that was the year we saw uh, Miami just teeing off on Bryce Petty and his processing and ability to handle stuff at the line of scrimmage and get things set 
was not super effective. So that's, again, it, it all goes back to Chan Gailey and a spread offense. And what does that appeal? That appeal is you're going to simplify a lot of things, which should, hypothetically, if you've got the right trigger man, allow you to go fast. So just because we have the change between Chan Gailey and Chad O'Shea, I wouldn't assume that we're going to see a regression here as far as their tempo because it all comes back to game management. And Brian Flores is the CEO. He has his fingerprints all over every bit of how this team operates. And he will be the common denominator. And you'll see things that ebb and flow and regression to the mean or statistical anomalies where Miami might really jump up in some spots one year. And that's just the nature of the beast. But if you've got the head man and the CEO, that's how I look at all the changes in assistance that the New England Patriots have had. And they routinely play fast. Sean McVay has seen his coaching staffs attacked as teams try to replicate what Sean McVay did in L.A. with the Rams. And this team continues to play fast. So I think it's promising, at the very least, for Dolphins fans. You can rest easy and know we made these changes to bring in somebody who gets football operations from a CEO level, not just, this is how I think my offense should run. And because we made that attack with the hire in Brian Flores, and he seems to get it, we're in much better shape in regards to everything. Good head coach can make all the difference. We've unfortunately seen the impacts of bad head coaches for far too long in Miami, and that's what we're going to finish the show with. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I don't know if you guys, I don't know how close of attention you guys have been paying to what's going on in New York with the Jets. But what we do know is Jamal Adams is ready to head out of town. And according to a report from Manish Mehta, one of the primary reasons he is ready to get out of town is because of one Adam Gase. Death, taxes, and Adam Gase running his best football players out of town. These, my friends, are the certainties in life. And apparently the only people that didn't see something like this coming is Jets management when they decide to hire Adam Gase. Gase is proving Stephen Ross and Chris Greer right as his tenure goes on in, in New York because nothing has changed at all with Adam Gase. He is still the same individual who refuses to take accountability for anything that happens under his watch. 
And as the head coach of a football team, you as the CEO and leader of the football team, everything at the end of the day comes back to you, and you've got to take accountability for it. And Adam Gase, whether it was the end of the year when the team quit on him in 2018, he says, well, we just kind of ran out of bullets. Or we didn't execute the game plan right. And he's cutting players left and right. His players don't like the way he operates. You need to stop and think about the players. He traded J.J., he traded Jarvis Landry. Jarvis wanted a lot of money. Okay, they were in bad cap spot. You can at least justify that decision. But Miami, and again, some of this comes back to cap. I get it. But under Gase, they straight up cut dudes like Mike Pouncey, Billy Turner, Dominic Sue, and Jordan Phillips. Phillips had nine and a half sacks last year. Statistical anomaly, yes. Did he play really that well? No. But he was a former second-round pick that you cut for nothing at all just because you were tired of him. Billy Turner, believe he was a third-round pick. He started all last year for Green Bay and started all the year before that for the Denver Broncos. Starting offensive guard at the NFL. He got a nice contract from the Packers. You, tr- you cut him for nothing. Mike Pouncey made the Pro Bowl in 2018. Did his play on the field necessarily warrant that kind of recognition? No, but he stayed healthy. You cut him for nothing. You can't just be often dudes because you're tired of dealing with them. And that's what Adam Gase did. And uh, that locker room still ultimately, Miami Miracle happens. They're 7-6. and six, And the locker room goes, ah, you know what? I'm not buying what this guy's selling. And they go out and they lay three eggs in a row. Fail to get the 8-8. Eight eight, fail to challenge for a playoff spot despite the fact they were in position to do so. Gase is out. Now, Gase gets hired in New York. <laughs> unbelievably. Because they he was willing to take the job because the Jets wanted to strap him with their, their selected assistant, assistants and not let him pick his own assistant staff. Uh, Greg Williams predominantly being the guy that was being kept on there. They fire Mike McCagnan, the general manager, and build the bridge between him and Joe Douglas with Adam Gase in personnel control. And the first thing he does is he trades a former first-round pick, Darren Lee, for like a sixth-round pick next year. Just gets rid of him, right? And then the news starts breaking that he didn't want Le'Veon Bell, and he didn't want C.J. Mosley. The Le'Veon Bell saga has been going on ever since. There's still rumors that if the, if the Jets fall flat on their face this season, they might trade Bell by the trade deadline. Bell had a career worse season last year. Gase's Jets start the season 1-7, losing to a winless Dolphins team to give the Dolphins their first win. And then they get on a, a heater in the back half of the season. They go 6-2 and two and beat, like, the worst of the worst in football. You, have you sat down and look at the wins that the Jets have tallied throughout the back half of the season? They finished the year 7-9, and nine, and there's people that are, like, excited because the Jets are building momentum. Never mind the fact that, you know, the worst offense in football, highly penalized team. This team's wins down the stretch 
Six and two in the back half of the year. They beat the Giants, who picked in the top five. They picked the Redskins, who are one of the few teams in the league worse than the Giants. They beat the Raiders, who picked in the teens at home. Cross-country trip for the Oakland Raiders. They beat the Dolphins, who picked in the top five. They beat the Steelers, who, you know, bless them for making it to eight and eight. But they were 8-6 and six before all of their bad quarterback play and all the good bounces that they got literally throughout the entire heart of the season. Over the last two weeks, it fell flat on their face. And then they beat a Buffalo Bills team in Buffalo Week 17 when the Bills literally sat 10 starters. Half their team sat. And they still couldn't outgain the Bills' backups, but still won 13-6. That's momentum. And then you get to this point, and November, Jamal Adams was saying, I want to be a Jet for life. And now Jamal Adams is demanding a trade, and apparently Adam Gase is a big reason why. And when you start digging, the report came out from Anish Mehta that none of the players in the Jets' locker room respect Adam Gase. So what are the Jets going to do? Are they going to commit to the coach? Or are they going to commit... To the players. Because if you're smart, you commit to the players because the players are the product. And if you don't have a coach that can connect with your players, that coach has got to go. And at the end of the day, Gase not changing his stripes, continuing to not take accountability. I didn't even mention the Kalichi Osemele blowout in which Osemele said he needed surgery for his shoulder. The team said, no, you don't. Reporters start asking Gase, hey, have you talked to Kalichi? Like, when's, what's the update there? And Adam says, oh, I haven't talked to him in a few weeks. He's been in the training room getting rehab. I got guys that are counting on me to, to get us ready to play football games. Just totally threw his hands up to it. Thank goodness this team bid farewell to Adam Gase. And apparently they were on the fence on whether or not they wanted to do it. And maybe Adam saved Miami from themselves because Adam didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. All I know is this. They say Tigers don't change their stripes. And Adam, when he got hired in New York, he talked about all the lessons he learned from Miami and the shortcomings and things he needs to do better. He hasn't learned a single thing. Because if he did, he would not have trouble connecting with the best player on the football team in Jamal Adams who has seen enough of Adam Gase to know that he doesn't want to be a part of Adam Gase's teams moving forward, and he wants out of New York as a result. So us as Dolphins fans, life has not been easy for the last decade. But entering the 2020s, we can at least sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, because if the Jets had sat back, relaxed, and enjoyed the show when Gase was burning this team to the ground from the inside from a culture perspective, they'd have known better than to hire him. But they didn't. And so now we, seeing firsthand how this story ends and knowing the longer that Adam Gase is in place in New York with the Jets, the more barren the talent is going to get and the more drastic the rebuild is going to have to become. And knowing that this team last offseason was angled in position to make a run. They had a quarterback they picked in the top five of the NFL draft. They had cap space. 
and they drastically accelerated their winning window because they wanted to go all in and they did exactly what Adam Gase neglected to do in Miami. They neglected the offensive line and they neglected the supporting cast for their young quarterback. And if you think your system is that foolproof that it can be plug and play with a bunch of mid-round picks and, and street-free agents, like Adam seems to think his is, you might want to stop and look at the numbers and realize that your system kind of sucks. But that's not our problem anymore. And we can all be thankful for that. Just like I am thankful for all of you carving some time out of your day to listen to Locked On Dolphins. I hope to see you guys again tomorrow. We got one more show this week, so make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, and I hope to see you guys again soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.